Aren't you thankful for the light? Amen. We're to be that light now. Amen. The church is to be the light of the world. To reflect Jesus Christ. You know, love is to constrain us. We're to be compelled to go. And we must go. must preach the gospel. Hallelujah. I want you to turn to Mark's gospel. Reading out of chapter 15, pardon me, 16, verse 15. you probably hear this verse many times this week. Amen. The words of Jesus Christ, and He said unto them, Who is them? That's us. That's the church. That's disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. His commandment is for you and I here tonight in 2003. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Turn to Romans chapter 10. Incidentally, that word preach, it means a public crier, a public herald. And you know, we can look at this commandment on an individual basis. We can apply it individually. And that's true because we're all individually called to go and to preach the gospel. But you know, when we look at it individually and we assume that, well, somebody is going, then it might not just get done if we don't all seek to obey that commandment. So let's look at it on a corporate level. The church is to go into the public forum and to cry and to herald and to interject the Word of God so the world can have a light in the midst of darkness. If the church is not in the public, in the open air, declaring the Word of God, then we're not fulfilling the Great Commission. That's an absolute, friend. That's the truth of it. Let's listen to Romans 10 here, verses 14 through 15. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher, without a public crier? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The one constant in all three verses here is preaching. Amen. God's ordained method and means in evangelism is preaching. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank You, Lord, for Your truth. We're gathered here, Father, to do Your will, to hear Your Word, Father. Lord, we ask, Father, for unction. We ask for Your anointing. We ask for divine authority, Lord, that the Word of God would strike us, Lord, at the mark. That we would be not just stirred, but we would be changed to be vessels of light and vessels of blessing in this dark and perverse generation. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God's ordained means for evangelism is preaching. Amen. Right here from the beginning, we need to establish that. That that's what God has called the church to do. To be a mouthpiece. To be a vehicle of expression for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no other reason to exist 
but to preach and to live this gospel. You know, even a casual study of the Bible reveals that God is methodical. He's a being very concerned with detail. He's concerned with order. Amen. He's in con- and He's concerned with purpose. Remember, Jesus said, even the hairs, the numbers of the hairs of our head, amen, that God knows that. They're numbered. And so God is very concerned with the details, amen. But today's theology promotes a deity which seems disorderly, haphazard, and unconcerned with the specifics. But nothing could be more untrue of Almighty God. He is a God of method. You'll remember when He told Noah to build an ark, He gave him very detailed instructions. He gave him the dimensions. How long? How tall? How wide? Where to put the door? Amen. Where to put the window? This is what you're going to pitch it with. This is what you make it out of. Gopher wood. If Noah would have thought, you know, in himself or would have applied his own intellect or intelligence and would have built it out of cedar, it would have sank. Amen. Noah wasn't a, a boat builder. Amen. Noah just had to submit to the plan of God. And we need to recognize this, preacher. Every one of us. Christian, we weren't evangelists when we were in that world. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only one pattern for evangelism. And it's contained in the Word of God. And God's method is to preach this Gospel. To preach it without apology. To preach it under the power and the authority and the unction of the Holy Ghost. All God needs is a militant church full of the Holy Ghost that will go into the highways and the byways and once again, take the reproach of Christ and proclaim Him crucified. Just somebody that will be willing to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't need somebody sophisticated. He doesn't need talent. He doesn't need intellect. He needs a yielded vessel. Amen? Someone who's willing to do just what God said to do according to the divine pattern. God is a God of purpose and a God of order. We're not going to be blessed if we step outside of that prescribed order. And if you get anything here tonight, that's what you need to hear the Spirit of God say. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Amen. But there is a way, a high and a holy way. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the Word of Almighty God. You want to know Christ, you look to the Word of God. Christ and the Word are synonymous, and when we Submit to that Word. We're submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to search the Word of God to see what's God's mind. If we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, there is a way. There's a prescribed pattern and an order. So specific were the plans for the tabernacle in the wilderness that it addressed the color of the linens and the hems and the priestly garments. Don't tell me God is not concerned with the details. Solomon's temple was a complex architectural project. Do we suppose that God would simply bless any four walls that they threw up because it kept the rain off their head and put them under the shadow, a shadow out of the sun? Absolutely not. Just because it works doesn't make it right. I said just because it appears to work doesn't make it right. I said there's a way and we've got to follow that way. There's a way in the Word of God. It's revealed. That's why the church is filled with tears, friend. I can tell you it begins at the foundation. 
Amen. When they, we, we, we can get folks to the altar, but we can't get people to Calvary. Amen. We can talk folks into praying a sinner's prayer, but because the gospel is not really preached, because there's no conviction to the heart of man. Amen. The law of God is not thundered with divine authority, and men don't see their great need to be delivered and to be saved, then they don't see Christ the Savior. You read a revival's past. There were men that preached the gospel that made Christ real and alive. And sin became exceeding sinful. And Christ became glorious and wonderful. Oh, I tell you what, he's, he's not esteemed. I said he's not esteemed among that carnal mind, that unregenerate world. He came to his own. His own received him not. He was, he was accounted or he was rejected and despised of men acquainted with grief. We esteemed him not. That's what the Bible says. But let a man come under conviction. Let the law of God show him that he's undone and Christ becomes altogether lovely. And this is again what we must come back to where we're going to preach the gospel gospel in power and in faith and believe God. Let me tell you something. You preach the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and it will slay everything but Jesus Himself. I said you proclaim the cross of Jesus Christ. It's hard to stand in a pulpit or stand on a street corner and preach Christ and Him crucified and watch that cross utterly lay bare everything but Jesus Christ. It takes faith. It takes faith to truly Preach Jesus Christ. He's a God who's concerned with order. Time and time again we see Israel defeating her enemies, but only when her leaders submitted to the strict battle orders of God. You remember Jericho, the foolishness of marching around those walls. You remember Gideon, the, the utter, you know, seemingly simplicity and foolishness of the pitchers and the lambs. Do you understand? There's a way. It's not going to seem like it works to the natural mind. It's not going to seem like the most profitable way to do things. It's not going to seem like this is not how, how to really establish a church or build a church or see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ if we do it according to the divine pattern. Amen. The Bible. Amen. That is the true Word of Almighty God. And the true work of God is always birthed out of adherence to the Word of God. It will always be preceded by the adherence to the design and the method of God. In other words, God will never command men to do what He will not tell them how to do. Amen. He's commanded us to go. We read the commandment, but I want you to know there's a method. There's a model. There's an example. We don't have to step out in the darkness and wonder how to go about this. We just need to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God incarnate and He is referred to as the way, which confirms that God has a very specific model, a divine system, if you will, in executing His eternal purposes. Amen. And you know, to suggest that God would reward or to suggest that anything other than Christ could truly Succeed. Now listen to me. There's a lot of things that appear to succeed. There's a lot of things that appear to work. But truly in the Spirit to suggest that we could step out of God's order and be blessed is a lie from the pit of hell. But that's what the church in this hour has promoted in regards to evangelism. And we've got to go back to the book as a spiritual manual. That's what God has given us. His Word. 
As a divine God, He's given us His Spirit. In all things, if we're conformed to the Word and we're led by the Holy Ghost, then we will remain in the way. And that's true of every facet of our Christian life. You know that. Every facet of our Christian life. doesn't matter if it has to do with the marriage or raising children or the family or building a church or working on a secular job. There's a way. If we uh, adhere to the Word of God and we're led of the Holy Ghost, then we're going to be blessed in our deed. You hear people talk in this hour. They talk about loving the Lord with all their heart and wanting to see souls blessed. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Amen? There's a way. There's an order. And if a man man is not fulfilling that command of Christ according to the Word, then he's deceived himself in believing that he truly loves anyone, including God Himself. Amen. There's a means we must follow, a prescribed order. And we've got to do that regardless of men's opinions or the response of the wicked. Do you hear me? That's number one lesson in evangelism because the temptation is to change the message, to become pragmatic, to do what appears to work. You know, about 30 or 40 years ago, the, church, the, the world told the church, don't preach to me. That turns me off. I've heard pastors and preachers say, if you come to the first church, we won't preach to you. Oh, what a terrible and an awful thing to say. What a terrible... That's like telling a sinner, I'm not going to pray for you. If praying for you offends you. God ordained preaching. We must preach whether they like it or not. We must preach the gospel. There must be a zeal to do what God has told us to do. The great problem with the professing church today is her independence from God and her uneasiness with His Word. In other words, there's just a subconscious thought that this is just a little bit outdated, a little bit old-fashioned, that 20th century America is not going to receive the methods of a first century peasant. We just, we've just we got to change things. You know, the crowd would rather hear a little rock music or see a mime or something you know inoffensive rather than preaching the gospel. Listen to me. The gospel is a divine authoritative declaration of the Word of God. If you want to talk to me, you and I can sit down and you might feel comfortable with me. But let a man preach the gospel. People come into a church or under real preaching, they say, I feel like you're talking down to me. Who do you want to talk to? Who do you want to hear from? If God speaks through a man, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of Almighty God. If men hear God speak, then God is sure enough going to be talking down to them. It's the authority. Rebellion is exposed by order. Do you hear me? Rebellion is exposed by order. A divine unction, a divine authority, a divine word spoken from on high. They said to Jesus, never man spake like this man. His doctrine is with power. Oh, there's something different. It's heavenly. It's otherworldly. And you and I are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said He was anointed to preach. And so are we if we're in Him. Amen. We don't have a special anointing. We've got the anointing of Jesus. And the only way to possess and to walk and to operate under that anointing is to walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Word of God. I said, "That's the, how do I know I'm in Jesus if I'm in the Word? Amen. If I'm living the Word and walking after the Word. It's impossible that God could bless any other thing but the Word of Almighty God. 
Amen. When confronted with biblical evangelism, most churchgoers today say you'll never win anyone to Jesus with these methods. Amen. Or, or they might suspiciously ask, you know, how many people have you prayed with today? How many times have I been asked that? I've been preaching open air for 16, I believe 16, 17 years. I probably prayed with about five people on the street. Of those five, I don't know any of those five that are still serving God. You say, well, why do you do it? Because God told me. Come on. Yes, sir. Nobody's come to Jesus. Yes, people have come to Jesus. But one plants, one sows, another waters. And God gives the increase. And you know what? God said, the one that sows and the one that waters. They are nothing. It's God that gives the increase. That's right. So what are we after in this thing, you see? We are to preach the gospel whether it appears to work or doesn't work. Amen. We are to go and we are to declare the word of Almighty God. Amen. First Corinthians 1 and 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It's absurdity. That's what that word literally means. Or it's silly. How is this going to work? How are you going to see men come to Christ? It's offensive. Yes, it is. It's offensive to tell men they're on their way to hell, that they're wicked and they must be born again. There's no way to change that. There's no way to alter that. When I was a young Christian, I used to you know, go on the street. I, I went to a place where there's nothing but hippies and drug addicts. And I went out with a group of Christians the first time that I went. And you know, I just passed out tracks here and there. I didn't know what to do telling people Jesus loves you. You know, and they'd take the track, tear it up my face. Amen. Threatened to, to, to hit me or uh, to tell me, leave, leave me alone. Amen. I don't want you to preach to me. And you know, as I just sought God and thought, what is this? How, how, how am I going to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ? This seems so offensive. And people would tell me, no, you know, you're judging me and that kind of thing. So I went home and I just took what Jesus said in red. And I went on the street and all I did was say what Jesus said in a normal tone of voice to people and they almost skull-drug me down the street. Listen to me. If you'll just speak the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, He said the servant is not above the Master. If they have hated me, they will hate you. We often forget that Jesus was killed for what He preached. He said in John 7 and 7, the world hates me for testify that the works there are evil. And when you testify that the works of this world are evil, men are not going to love you. But see, listen to me. It's that one. It's that one over here. Or the one standing off in the back. It might be five or six you're speaking to or a hundred. But it's that few in the crowd that the Word of God is striking their heart. Amen. You may never speak with them. You may never even talk to them. Time and time again, I've, I've heard a, uh, preach the gospel. A man come up to me in the mall or whatever say, I heard you preach two or three years ago. I never spoke to you. I never talked to you. But I went home that night and I couldn't sleep. I wrestled with the thought that I was on my way to a devil's hell. I couldn't sleep. Shake the guilt. I couldn't shake the conviction. And the next day, another man came. And the next month, another man came. And my mother was praying for me at night. And I got right with Almighty God. You hear testimonies like that. I tell you, I encourage you to go. But no matter what, we must go. That's got to be settled. That we're going to preach the gospel no matter what. 
the modern church in her failure to obey the Great Commission according to the biblical pattern professes to be wiser than God. Now listen to me, that's not brazen, nor is it really conscious in most, in most cases. But that's what it is. To try to do something other than what Jesus said to do. The Bible says there's a way, as I mentioned, that's right to that carnal mind, but it's death. Jeremiah the prophet said, Just thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old past. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. You know why? There's a price in obeying the Word of God. I said there's a severe cost in obeying the Word of God. What you're talking about, preacher? The world's going to hate me. My family's going to despise me. All that, yes sir. But I'm here to tell you, if you truly submit to the Word of God in this hour, you will be looked at as an oddity in the church. Yes, sir. Most Pentecostal churches in this hour, I think it's a strange thing for a man to truly want to be like Jesus. To truly want to be like Jesus. Amen. You read the Apostle Paul. Amen. When he spoke of his former life as a persecutor of the church, he said, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. You think to yourself, men begin to try to decide what's right and what's wrong, and they're going to do many things contrary to Jesus Christ. Amen. Two things tonight. Two points that I want you to remember. Number one, preaching is God's ordained method. There is no other. That's it. That's what we must do. We must go and we must preach. Can we sing a song? Sure, we could sing a song. Can you give somebody a track? Absolutely. I'm not saying that those things can't be used. But the primary method, anything that undermines or negates the preaching of the Word of God becomes idolatry. We must preach God's Word. First Corinthians, and we read that in the beginning, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If any man is going to be wise, then he must become a fool in the eyes of this world. And that's exactly what it is to stand on a street corner and to proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now the first thing tonight, how are we going to define what preaching is? If you look to the original languages in Hebrew and in Greek, that word preach, amen, it literally means to cry aloud, to proclaim, to pronounce, or to publish. It also means a herald or a public crier or a proclamation. You look at Webster's 1828 dictionary means to proclaim, to declare in public, to expose, amen, especially in a tiresome or officious manner. Oh, and that's what they don't like about preaching. They don't like the authority. Who are you to tell me? You see, we have authority in the Word of God. I'm just a messenger boy. Amen. But I have the authority to preach the Word of God because that is God's revealed mind. Nevertheless, we'd be wise to allow the Bible to define itself regard in regards to preaching. Let me use this example. The church in the last 20 or 30 years, they've redefined so many biblical terms. Amen. And in the minds of people, there's a certain thought or a certain definition and it's because the church is straight from orthodoxy. 
consider this, the fear of God. Remember where Jesus said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Amen. Now they've changed that. They've said that fear means to be reverent. Fear means to respect. Amen. You don't need to know the Greek and the Hebrew to interpret what fear means here. If you just read it in context, I guarantee you this. If someone was to break into your home and take out a butcher knife and threaten to cut your head off, you wouldn't be in a state of respect and you wouldn't be in a state of awe. You'd be in a state of terror or horror. And that's exactly what that word means. It means to be terrified, utterly terrified, to find oneself opposed to God. Where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. That same word is translated. Amen. You turn back over in Samuel, where David and the Israelite army were faced with Goliath. And it says the army, they were sore afraid and their knees smoked together. It's the same word. Same word. Why? Because that's an enemy and they're faced with that enemy. And they don't, they don't have the strength or the ability to overcome. And nobody can face God as an enemy and overcome. That's what the fear of God means. Amen. But they've redefined that. Amen. Preaching is just like that. When Jesus said to go and to preach, we could just look in the Bible. What did they do? What's the examples that we have? When He said go into all the world and preach the gospel, He didn't mean to have puppet shows or rock concerts or weenie roads. Or, you know, blowing up uh, people's bicycle tires and giving them a flower and saying, Jesus loves you. I ask you, did Jesus do any of that? Does any man have a right to step out of the model of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says on the day of the great feast, He stood and He cried. He was a preacher above all things. He preached the gospel. He lifted up His voice and declared, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Consider John the Baptist. He was the forerunner. He came to introduce the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said of him, no man born of a woman, no greater prophet. Amen. And what did he do? He came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. He was a man that came preaching the word of God. We're not going to violate that. The spirit of Elijah is what it was what John the Baptist came in. That's nothing more, nothing less than the spirit of Of the Holy Ghost. And that's for you and I today. That Spirit has come. There's a latter day outpouring upon the church. We're all to be forerunners of Christ. Make His path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We're all called to preach repentance. And that's what we must do. Ian Bounds said preaching can have no substitute. No rivals to discount or retire it. It's to discount and retire God. I remember the pastor's conference a few years ago. A tongue and interpretation came forth. The interpretation was take this gospel and thrust it into the earth and see what it will do. You know, I was struck by the very forceful language of that. And that's exactly what the gospel, that's what we must do. We must thrust it into the earth. We must take it 
into the world. And we must preach it whether we're invited or uninvited, liked, applauded or not. And that is our call. That's the pattern. It's confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the early church. Amen. The Bible says Jesus came into Galilee preaching. Amen. He was a public crier. He came on the scene as a public herald of divine truth. He was a preacher of the gospel. And you know, that's a forgotten fact in this hour. I mean, that's something people don't talk about, that Jesus was a preacher. He didn't concentrate on the ecclesiastical order of accepted religion, nor did He address the higher criticisms of celebrated educating education. He came preaching. He came lifting up His voice in the open air to the common man. That was the method of Christ. How can we improve upon that? And apart from His deity, if you search through the Gospels, the next leading characteristic you see about the person of Christ is that He was a preacher. His identity as a preacher. And He is the pattern. He began to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent. There is no plan B. There's no alternative. There's no uh, less offensive scheme. It's preaching. That's God's ordained method. It was demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ. It was established in the early church. It was practiced by the apostles. And men were murdered for practicing it. I was looking in uh, the voice of the martyrs a couple years ago. And they tracked statistics on persecution all over the earth. And you'd be surprised by the two, or you probably wouldn't be surprised, but the two leading causes of persecution all over the earth are evangelism and meeting for church. That's the two things that they want to stop in every country. They can keep the saints from coming and being edified and strengthened. And don't you tell anybody about Jesus. That tells you the priority evangelism has on the list of the devil. He doesn't want anybody to preach this gospel because it's the only hope for mankind. Amen. You know, some might question such archaic and outdated methods will never reach the masses. And I find this so interesting. Anybody that has ever really practiced open-air evangelism in particular, amen, knows that this is a lie. One man filled with the Holy Ghost can preach to an entire city. Amen. I can remember when I was preaching back in Baton Rouge, there'd be, a, there'd be a rock concert at the Assembly Center. 14,000 people would be there. They had a big sign, about 5 by 20. I'd stand up on that sign. There were two ramps that emptied that Assembly Center right at the foot of that sign. All 14,000 people. 7,000 on this side. 7,000 on that side. Amen. I can preach to 14,000 people in just a little over an hour. I can preach to every one of them. How much did it cost you? Cost me absolutely nothing. How much planning? Just make sure you're full of the Holy Ghost and have the Word of God. I don't have to advertise on the radio. I don't have to have a whole lot of churches come together. All I've got to do is be willing to take the Word of God into the open air, lift up my voice, and declare Jesus Christ and Him crucified. How is it that we got away from that? How is it that we got away from that? You trace in church history all the great moves of God, all the great revivals, 
almost without exception. They were open air preachers. John Wesley preached the gospel on his father's grave. He said if dead cats and rotten tomatoes are not that preacher's diet, then he's not preaching the true gospel. He said preach 90% law, 10% grace. Bring the sinner in with the law of God and then show him Christ. Charles Finney preached in the open air. Many of the reformers, they preached in the open air. They were men that preached the gospel. Whitfield went up and down the East Coast in the 1700s. He preached. Benjamin Franklin said you could hear his voice for a mile away and thousands upon thousands came to Christ. They didn't need radio shows. They didn't need any. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That can all be used. But why did we get away from the practicality of just carrying the gospel into the open air? Amen. Listen to what Evan Roberts said. And this is what our spirit must be. The salvation of the human soul was impressed upon me. I felt ablaze with a desire to go through the length and the breadth of Wales to tell of the Savior. And had it been possible, I was willing to pay God for doing so. Oh, that's a burden, friend. That's a burden for souls. That's a burden to be obedient. You know, I was lost and undone for many years. I came out of a lot of bar rooms stumbling drunk. I came out of a lot of evil and wicked places just like this illusions club up here. Not one time did a, did a Christian confront me in my sin. And when I got born again, you know, I was a bit grieved with that. And I thought, what would have happened? Maybe I would have hated somebody if they'd have told me about Jesus. It's very likely. I could have physically attacked them. I don't know. It's very likely I was that wicked. But why wasn't there somebody to confront me in my sin? That's what compelled me to go. Amen. Somebody needs to warn the wicked. The Bible says if we see that sword come upon a land, the sword of judgment, amen, and we don't sound the trumpet blast of warning, amen, then those individuals will be taken in judgment, but their blood will God require at our hand. Amen. We've got to sound the trumpet and warn the wicked. We are a watchman upon the wall. That's our obligation. We can never tire of that. We can never be discouraged. If our heart is right, if our motive is right, then we know we have no other option but to do the will of God. Amen. And we have to give a certain sound. Because the Bible says, if a man sound an uncertain sound, who shall prepare themselves to battle? Amen. To preach the gospel is not merely a verbal communication, but it's a spiritual communication. We must be the truth that we preach. And then we'll walk in that divine authority. Amen. Jesus didn't have a promoter. He didn't have a rock band to open his meetings. He didn't have a radio station to advertise his miracles. Yet the Bible says the fame of him went into every place of the country round about. Now that doesn't mean he was popular. It just means they talked about it. They knew something was going on. Amen. I remember when I was in Baton Rouge, preached at the rock concert on Friday night. Amen. Go out to the abortion clinic on Saturday morning. Amen. Out at LSU the next week. Amen. Over someplace else another event. And before long, I had sinners saying, everywhere I go, I see you. Everywhere I go. They were even saying I was places that I wasn't. Amen. They said you was at the barroom the other night. I was never there. Amen. Listen to me. One man can preach the gospel and cover thousands if he's just willing to go. Now, there's a gathering somewhere. Last year, LSU played in the SEC championship game. 
we went to Atlanta because we preached at Old Shoe a lot. So we thought we'll go up there and surprise them. They'll be happy to see us. Amen. And they were. They saw us and they recognized. They said, you followed us all the way up here. Four million people in Atlanta. Now, I want you to hear this. How many people were out there? There was only us. A group of a few Christians from different places. I'm not saying that to exalt us. I'm saying, listen to me. Where is the church in this hour? Where is the church? In Baton Rouge, in the next month, there's going to be thousands and thousands of people. They're going to gather at all kind of different events. And there's not going to be hardly anybody there preaching the gospel. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go around and give them a little ticket, say we have a chicken fry, and why don't you come visit church? Oh, no. That's not what we're to do. We're to go. We're to go. Listen to this quote by George McLeod. We simply argue that the cross be raised again at the center of the marketplace as well as the steeple of the church. We are recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves. In the town garbage heap, at a crossroads so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. At the kind of place where cynics talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble. Because that is where he died. And that is what he died about. And that is where churchmen ought to be and what churchmen should be about. Oh, to God that we would once again find ourselves in the byways. In the highways, proclaiming the word of Almighty God. The Bible says, how shall they hear? How shall they go lest they be sent? And how shall they hear without a preacher? I want you to notice the evangelist is sent. Amen. The evangelist ain't inviting folks to a meeting. The evangelist is going out. Amen. You know, the definition of evangelist in this hour has taken on a totally different context than you find in the Bible. The evangelist is a man that visits churches and preaches a, a little bit and tries to sell his tapes. But that's not found in the Word of God. I believe the evangelist, because it's the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, that there is a message, amen, for that evangelist to preach to the church. But the primary role of that evangelist is outside that door right there, friend, and to that center. Do you hear me? And listen to me. I was born again. I knew I was called to preach. I never, I never coveted another man's pulpit because I knew there were 10,000 pulpits right outside that door. I hear young preachers tell me, oh, I'm called to preach. I'm waiting for somebody to call me up and give me a meeting. Listen to me, preacher. There's a billion pulpits between here and New York City. Find yourself a street corner and preach this gospel and God will bless it. If a man doesn't preach to the world, he's not fit to preach to the church. Yes, I said, if a man doesn't preach the gospel to sinners, he's not fit to preach in the church. I'll say this, listen to me. Aside from praying and Jesus and the local church, those spiritual things, I can point to one single thing in my life and my ministry that has influenced me more than anything else. And that is going into that world and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we go to LSU tomorrow, we're going to go to a place called Free Speech Alley. It's going to be a little walkway there. And in the middle, you're going to see some pla- a place where there was some concrete. There used to be a big
bench planted right there. That's the first time I ever preached was on that bench. And I preached hundreds, if not thousands of times there. And I learned more on that bench by the Holy Ghost and by doing the Word of God than I would have had a hundred years in Bible school. I died a thousand deaths. The Holy Ghost prayed down on me and worked in my spirit, man. You want to learn something about preaching? You want to do the works of the ministry? Then go out there in the highways and the byways. And God will equip you to address the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the example that He's given us. I said, that's the example that He's given us. We must go. Even the last thing I want you to know here tonight. If we don't go, then sinners are going to remain in darkness. And that is the truth. If we don't preach, who will? I mean, ask yourself. If we don't preach, I know there's churches having tent meetings. I know folks are getting saved. Nothing wrong with someone coming in here tonight and getting right with God. Thank God for that. Amen. I believe that can happen. Many of us here were born again because somebody invited us to church. I'm not attacking that. Amen. Invite as many people as you can to church. But I'm telling you, the primary means is to go out there. To go and to lift up our voice and to preach. Without a preacher, they're not going to hear the gospel. And the gospel is the only way that sinners can be liberated. You know why there's not that many conversions in the church in this hour? Because there's not the preaching of the Word of God. Listen to me. If everywhere sinners went, they got at the shell station and pumping gas. And there's a preacher on the corner telling them, you need to repent. Christ is coming. Prepare to meet thy God. Repent or likewise perish. Think of the power of that. That's God's Word uttered through consecrated and sanctified human vessels. We don't need to underestimate that God can use that. You may never talk to the man. How many times have I seen that? Where people just heard a phrase or a scripture or read a tract and they were brought to repentance. But how shall they hear? If there's not a preacher. Opportunities tonight are evaporating before us where we could be. We could be confronting someone with the gospel of Christ. And that's what we must see, our obligation. Charles Finney said the city is going to hell. Yes, the world is going to hell. And must go on till the church finds out what to do to win souls. The only hope for this generation. Amen. The only hope is the same hope that every generation has had. That's for holy men to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Carrying the Holy Word of God Almighty to a dirty, filthy world and proclaim that Christ can make sinners free. Amen. To proclaim it with authority. To seek to be filled with God's power. And for a man to be sent, he must go. He must go. Listen to me. If I'm sent, I can't say I'm sent till I go. Is that right? Amen. I must go. I must be God-ordained and I must be prepared. The vessel must be prepared. Not enough just to want to go. I've got to do it according to God's prescribed order. I've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and then I can go. Amen. That passage, it doesn't say the sinner is coming to the preacher, but rather the preacher is bringing the gospel to the sinner. And that's what we've got to do. 
We must go. We must preach. We must see that as our calling. You know, you meet a lot of people, they say, well, you know, I feel like I'm called to preach on the street. Amen. And then you talk to a, a, another man, he says, well, you know, that's your calling, brother. Listen to me. This is not some kind of unique calling. This is a universal calling. This isn't like nursing home ministry. You hear me? How can you say that, preacher? Because every New Testament Bible preacher was an open air preacher. I want you to think about that tonight. I want you to think about that tonight. Every single New Testament preacher was an open air preacher. Amen. Just study it in the Word of God. They were men who carried the gospel into the open air. And that's what we must do. We don't have an option. It's not a unique calling. It's a universal calling. It's a calling for the church to go. True, everyone may not preach like me or someone else. Amen. But everybody can participate. Everyone can go. Everyone can go. Every local church in the world should participate in biblical evangelism. You know, we have scheduled prayer meetings. We have a prayer meeting here, you know, Sunday night or Tuesday night or Monday night. Preach while you have that prayer meeting. Well, we need to pray as a church. What are the benefits of it? Well, the folks, it's going to help them to pray individually if they'll pray corporately. If they come together corporately, they'll be that much more apt to pray individually. And certainly your average pastor wouldn't say that would replace personal devotion in the individual Christian's life. Is that right? But nevertheless, they schedule that. How much more for us to schedule evangelism? Corporate evangelism. Our church is going to go preach the gospel to LSU tomorrow. Amen. We're going to all go out there tomorrow. That doesn't release you from your obligation to witness on your job or to preach everywhere you go. But I'll tell you what it will do. It'll encourage you. I said it'll strengthen you. It'll set a fire burning in your heart. Why is the church not doing that? Why are we not just taking the gospel in our community and preaching according to the Word of God? That's what we must do. What we must pray for. And what we must believe. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Let's love Him. You know, I believe we're all called to a ministry. We all have a specific function and a calling in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all members of a body. We're all members of a local assembly. We're planted in a specific community. And you know, God has placed us wherever we're at to be alive and to be a blessing. And you know, tonight, I don't think I've preached anything to you that you haven't heard before. Anything to you that you don't already know. But I want us to make a fresh consecration. Make a fresh consecration unto the Lord. That you be willing to let Him use you in any fashion. That you will go wherever He asks you to go. That you'll speak wherever you are. Here in the show in the buffet line, He tells you, stop and preach. You're going to be willing to do that. You're going to be willing to open your mouth and declare the Word of God wherever you are. No matter what people think about you. Amen. If you're willing to do that, I want you to find it all. You can come here in the front. You can kneel at your chair. But let's just consecrate ourselves afresh to do the will of God. To preach the gospel. We're called to go. That's God's method. That's God's ordained means. I know many of you are very faithful to do that. 
I know many of you are always preaching and evangelizing. Let's make a consecrated effort to continue to maintain. Amen. Perhaps you haven't been doing that like you should and you know. Then consecrate yourself with grace to do. Ask God for grace, for boldness to speak. Father, we just ask you tonight. We see, Lord, we are the vessel, the chosen vessel, Lord, that you've called, you've sanctified, you've filled us for a purpose, Lord. Not just to shout, to run in church, but Lord, you've filled us to be witnesses into the uttermost parts of the earth. And Father, that's where we're planted. That's where you've placed us at. Father, we want to be that, Lord. Lord God, we want to be the witness. Lord, we want to be alive, Lord God. Lord, we want to be a witness, Lord God. We want to preach the gospel, Lord. We want to declare your truth. We want to make Christ known, Lord God. Let rivers and tears run down our face, but let's break our law, Lord God. Strengthen us, O God, to rise up against the workers of iniquity, to reprove sin, Lord, to make your mind grow in the earth. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Fill us afresh with our spirit, most holy God. Fill us afresh with your holy ghost, Lord God. To overflowing that we might go, that we might go and obey, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you.